Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, episode 15, where we talk with August Horseman of Horseman Cattle Company. I'd say learn as much as you can and visit with as many people as possible. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. In today's show, we talk with August Horseman of Horseman Cattle Company, and we talk about his journey to regenerative agriculture as a first-generation regenerative agriculturalist on a third-generation farm, and what he's doing with cattle as well as with hogs and chickens. I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get to today's conversation, be sure and subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Also, leave us a review and share this episode with someone who might enjoy it. We appreciate you. August, we want to welcome you to the Grazing Grass Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your operation? I can. So my wife and I operate, own and operate, uh, I guess what we call a first-generational regenerative farm on a third generation uh farmer land so you have a third generational farm and you have made the transition to more regenerative practices yeah so it started back it's my my grandpa's farm now my dad's farm he started back in uh about 2012, 2013, that winter there, I was uh, in between my first and second semester as a freshman at uh, Mizzou and uh, majoring in animal science, learning uh, what some people would call prescriptive uh, cattle management, you know, the feed, the inputs, the whole whole gamma of everything that goes along with uh, a university telling you how to raise uh, cattle, teaching you, teaching you how to raise cattle. Well, fast forward to December of 15, that's I graduated uh, from Mizzou with a major in animal science minor in ag econ, and uh, I was going to set out and farm the family's farm, raise cattle. And uh, about three months in, I figured out that the way they had taught me was uh, not the right way and uh, that I was going to have to get an off-farm job just to uh, kind of support myself and, and... not the farm per se, but I knew the farm wasn't going to support me. It's not sustainable or come to find out a new term, regenerative. It wasn't uh, sustainable for a whole multitude of uh, reasons. Um, cow herd, uh, stability in our cow herd, um, uh, pocketbook, our pocketbook couldn't sustain the inputs and, uh, our soil couldn't sustain being, uh, abused. And, uh, so this whole regenerative term never heard of, never knew anything about, 
And uh, it wasn't until, let's see, I worked. So starting in uh, May of 2016, I worked for a year for the for the equipment dealer in town, the local New Holland dealer, and figured oh, yes. out. Yeah, figured out that I needed to, you know, get all this equipment to make my farm uh, <laughs> farm go. But luckily, I didn't have the money, so I just was a dreamer. <laughs> and so, oh, yes. <laughs> so about after a year of working for them, a, a local job with the soil and water came came up, and uh, with an animal science degree, I applied and got the job and the first day on the job a guy handed me a, a post-it note my I guess he was a, a, I guess you'd call him a co-worker and he handed me a post-it note and it had four names on it Greg Judy Dr. Alan Williams Ray Archuleta and Gabe Brown and from there uh, you could say I caught the bug and the you know rest is history very good. So, so you got those four names. What'd you go do? Well, as you, some people will tell you, government work, right? So uh, that meant a lot of hours spent on YouTube learning, learning so I could better serve uh, the local farmers in our community. But uh, so I just attended uh, YouTube University while. Uh, at the government job. That works out really nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many people would be happy with me saying that, but uh, <laughs> at this point, it's the truth, and that's uh, how I got to where I am. So with that, I just watched YouTube, read Greg Judy's books. Uh, Gabe Brown's book wasn't out yet. Um, that was in... Uh, I believe it was 17, the spring of 17, when uh, I, I started getting engaged with regenerative agriculture. Very good. And so you started watching these YouTube videos, started reading reading these books. What was the first action you took on your farm? I cold turkeyed the entire farm. That's, <laughs> that's a good question. Oh, yes. So, so we cold turkeyed grain, we cold turkeyed antibiotics in our mineral, we cold turkeyed fertilizer, we, we uh, let's see, what did we do? We stopped baling hay and bought hay, we, we did it all. Everything that those videos talked about, we, we implemented. And I'll tell you what, we had uh, a bunch of, a bunch of wrecks. So, so you implement all those things. So what happened? You had a bunch of wrecks. So so tell us some of those wrecks. Well, we had basically since uh, 15, we'd been, uh, we're now in 17, kind of going on 18. And uh, we had been developing this cow herd that required all these, uh, these inputs. We required the our cows required grain, our replacement heifers required grain, our bulls required grain because we were following the prescription from uh, the university, right? We were pushing, we were uh, chasing numbers instead of profitability. And so what we were seeing was when we started to cold, cold turkey everything, our 
our cows, uh, basically, it was a night and day difference on what was actually working and what was what was earning a living based off the inputs we gave. So that first year, we called twenty five percent of our cows that were do uh, that fall that were open because they weren't receiving oh, wow. the the supplements needed to stay in shape to rebreed. And what kind of breeding did you have at that point? You you talked about chasing numbers. Did you have certain breeds? Um, what size were your cows? That's a good question. So we bought a set of uh, commercial black cows, um, and then we were breeding them to registered Angus bulls. Um, I was a college student, couldn't afford the best bulls, but we tried to to buy four to five thousand dollar bulls based off numbers um, because. I mean, we bought, we paid for, I uh, paid for an education and, you know, if you're going to pay that kind of money for a university education, then, I mean, I would have assumed that uh, what they were telling me was right. So we went and bought these bulls, you know, that were fed silage and haylage and grain and on self feeders to make the numbers. And then breeding them to our commercial cows. One thing before we go forward, let's jump back just a little bit. Were yes, these sir. the type of cattle your dad and grandpa had ran or had you all, um, what had they ran? Okay. That's a good question. Uh, my dad does not run cattle. He is not a cattleman. He he likes the farm, but doesn't know anything about cattle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My grandpa actually had just a small herd of uh, beefalo, and they were low input. He rotationally oh. grazed, but, you know, he still, he didn't get quite get the, uh, uh, benefits of like strip grazing and stuff, you know, it was pretty basic rotational grazing. He had just four or five pastures that he'd, he'd moved to when he thought was right. So he was doing a lot for his time though. Yeah. Not knowingly though. He, Oh he, yes. I don't think he was knowingly doing that. He just bought the breed that kind of allowed him to live in St. Louis and travel out to his farm, which was about 60 miles away, three, three times a week until I went to school. That's when him, and my grandma and grandpa both moved to the farm roughly was they built a house and actually moved oh, out okay. to the farm. And, uh, so it started, uh, my grandpa did beefalo. He bought the original farm in the seventies, kind of transferred over to beefalo was on the uh, breed association board and kind of a pioneer in getting the breed going. And, uh, he wasn't, he, I guess when we, when I started going down this Angus path, he always gave me a hard time on about being an Angus commercial Angus guy, you know, jokingly uh, and yes. talking, talking profitability a little bit, but 
you know, I was, I was the one going to school. I'm the one that went to school to be a farmer, not him. So why would I listen to him when, you know, the education I'm paying for is telling me that what he's doing isn't right. (laughs) Right. Yes. So, so you got these commercial Angus cows and you're breeding them or commercial black cows. You're breeding them to these high number Angus bulls. And then you, you get introduced to Greg, Judy, um, Gabe Brown and, and the others you listed. Yep. What did you, you went cold turkey on feed. What'd you do on genetics? Well, I went cold turkey on feed and had an absolute train wreck because uh, the, <laughs> the the bulls I was breeding my cows to weren't used to that. And uh, yes. and no one makes an Angus bull really that, or in what I, at the time, no one made an Angus bull that was uh, not used to eating grain. Come to find out now and you know, today's time, there's a few guys out there that are doing it. But back then, I I had no idea. So I met a friend in college, and uh, he was close by, and I started buying bulls from them. And uh, I would I would go to him and say, I'd like the bull that didn't stand at the feeder. And that's what uh, he would sell me. And I started getting along pretty pretty good with the bulls that weren't at the feeder very good and uh so from then um he kind of ran his course and that bull i bought from from him i kept uh, kept a couple bulls out of and um and then it was i guess the spring of 2018 uh, I kind of got introduced into the South Poles, and it started with uh, with us actually hearing a guy at a conference talking about these South Pole cattle he was uh, grazing and then finishing for his meat business. And after I heard him spoke, I walked up to him and said, I, I'd like to graze some cattle for you. And... Uh, kind of out of nowhere he's like well that sounds good and uh i I asked how many and he's like well how many do you want and i just threw out a number i said 75 and uh, we took on 75 south pole steers in the spring of 2018 and that was my introduction to to the breed and that's where we're kind of heading now that is a very interesting you took the initiative you approached him and offered how could you help him and and that's a great way for if someone's looking for some knowledge if you go up to someone and you just want to pick their brain you know they've got a lot of things to do but how can i help you that's a great in yeah so once we got in there i mean we, uh, I continued. So the spring of 18, I ran my Angus and Sim Angus bulls. I ran them with a cow, with our commercial Angus cow herd and, uh, incorporated a 75 head of South Pole steers. And that's when we started noticing a bunch of different things. 
we started noticing natural fly control. We started noticing that cattle were grazing. The South Poles were grazing longer into the day, coming out earlier in the afternoons, especially during the summertime. And that no matter what kind of forage we threw at them, that they were, they were gaining weight. And uh, it was to that guy that, you know, he, he said, sure, you can buy some cattle from me and graze them for me and I'll buy them back. And, you know, we, I mean, that was, that was huge. And a key part of kind of our, our regenerative story. And that's kind of where it, it really started. So you're grazing these steers, you're, you're grazing them with your steers. You're seeing how good the South Poles do. What does that do to your cow herd? Do you change that up? Yeah. Any? Yep. We, uh, after that spring breeding season, uh, I guess I was 18. We sold all of our bulls and we, uh, tried to find some South Pole bulls. They're pretty hard to find at certain times of the year. So I found a seven, seven year old South Pole bull for our fall breeding season. And, uh, picked him up and I tell you what, he was one of the best bulls I've ever owned. And so we started implementing them in the fall of 2018. And that's all we, all we run on our commercial cows. Oh, very good. I I do notice in this area, um, locating some South Pole genetics is a little difficult. Yeah, it depends. When I went to the field day, they said that the better, you know, you can, Angus uh, bulls, they compared it. Angus bulls are expensive. Angus cows are cheaper. South Pole bulls are cheaper, while Ang- uh, South Pole cows are more expensive. So the best way to get in is cheaper Angus cows and cheaper South Pole bulls. But that sounds like a great recipe there. <laughs> yeah, well, those 50-50 calves some even if they come out blacks majority of the time we're seeing them carry uh major uh majority of the positive characteristics of a south pole and that's in their hide the number of hairs per square inch so they're they're shorter hided or slick hided with more squares per hair uh, per square inch and they're black and they seem to, once you get the slicker hide and the more squares per, uh, more hairs per square inch, you see uh, a better fly resistance. Oh, yes. And you see them coming out. They, you see them carrying the same grazing characteristics as red-hided animals. Oh, very nice. And that was from running over kind of our observation from running We've probably ran over 300 head of South Pole steers alone. And, you know, now we've got uh, South Pole cross heifers due to calve. Our first round of South Pole heifers uh, are due to calve this this spring. A true spring calving season, I'll add, which is uh, for Missouri, which is late March to April. Very good. Now, on your... Your um, 50% South Pole heifers, did you breed them back to South Pole? Yes, sir. We're trying to get to about a three-quarter, three-quarter blood South Pole. 
we think those are going to work uh, work well for us, especially since we do we do it all. We're uh, spring and fall calving. We are a backgrounding operation. We are also a finishing operation, and we finish beef for ourselves. We sell seven to eight weight steers for other guys to finish for their antibiotic-free, hormone-free, regeneratively raised pasture protein business. We cover all all the cattle spectrums to try to service as many people as possible, especially in the regenerative agriculture <laughs> sector. Very nice. And you have these cows um, grazing what kind of forages? Our uh, basic forage is a fescue, fescue pasture, which... Uh, has some legume legume components to it. It is got a lot of forbs, which some people call weeds. We call them forbs because cows will eat just about everything. We've been uh, selecting and culling, and we've been culling about the bottom twenty percent of our herd every year, and uh, so our cows are eating. All varieties of uh, iron weeds and uh, oh, I'm drawing blanks on all of it right now because it's uh, <laughs> because we're in the dormant season. But uh, ragweed, common giant, Lunsford ragweed, our cows are consuming it all. Um, goldenrod, our cows will eat it all. You're fairly early on this regenerative journey. But what have you noticed in your short periods happening to your pastors? Well, that's a great question. By utilizing adaptive grazing with varying stock densities, um, just by grazing alone, we can take a Lunsford ragweed paddock. Our paddocks are roughly 10 acres. We, and, uh, Lunsford ragweed, most guys will tell you the cows won't eat it, which is the shortest variety of ragweed. And we can utilize ultra high density stock grazing. So that is, you know, about a million pounds plus per per acre. And on two hour moves, it takes some time, but on two hour moves, we can completely alter that forage for the following year. Oh, yes. So we're doing a lot. Our cows go to work for us now. And that was, you know, learned over the years once we started this regenerative practice and going to the Soil Health Academy and utilizing Understanding Ag. We really got a, a game plan and uh, uh, focused on our cattle grazing and utilizing our cattle instead of equipment. Yeah, much better. Um, in the teaching field, I hear sometimes, you know, if a student can do it, let them do it. You know, in in the regenerative agriculture or grass farmer, you know, if the cow can do it, let her do it. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, for example, we went, uh, I started a new job as a ranch foreman. Uh, I guess that would have been September of 2019 and I spent the first two months brush hogging all of his farms well this year 
I've got them using ice implemented polywire and step in posts and only brush hogged for a week. Oh, that's much nicer. Yeah, especially on me and his fuel bill. Oh, yes. So you mentioned polywire and step in posts. Tell us a little bit more about the equipment you use for your rotational grazing. Yes. So we use on our cow herd, we use uh, Terragate reels with, uh, well, currently we're using Terragate wire because where we can buy them, they come spooled for us, which is a big plus. And then we use, uh, uh, yeah, we use, we found that uh, Zetlo Distributing Company there, they, they're making their own uh pigtail post and it's a little heavier i think it's a 10 mil instead of an 8 mil post so it's a little more durable post so we use those on our cow herd and then our pastured uh, pork operation we use o'brien step-ins and trying to trying to switch over to the o'brien's but the oh yeah is what uh what's Holding I, I see on your Instagram page you have a, one of those pigtails covered in ice holding up a wire. Yeah. Yep. My wife does all of our Instagram and Facebook and social media. And actually, she does all of our day-to-day. All of our uh, cattle moves. And and uh, we've got uh, pastured pork and pasture layers and pasture broilers and and our own meat beef our own pastured beef as yeah, well we we've been focused on talking about cattle but you guys are doing a, a lot there yeah we're doing it all so we're use we're uh experimenting with pastured pork to make uh silvo pastures or savannas to for grazable cattle, because that's one of our uh, downsides to our farm. Uh, well, depends on who you talk to. From a cattle grazing aspect, the amount of woods we have would be a downsize. But from a pastured pork perspective, we don't have enough woods. And uh, so we're looking into and utilizing pastured pork to create these uh, silvo pastures for cattle, sheep, goats, layers, broilers, the whole the whole nine yards. Very good. And just a quick plug for the podcast, we have an episode coming up in about a month about silvo pastures that I think is going to be very interesting for our audience. Tell us a little bit more about the grazing operation with your hogs. Oh, sounds good. So our hogs are... Uh, yeah, they are grazed um, through our woods, and we utilize uh, either Premier One uh, hog netting for when we're starting pig piglets uh, that we uh, source from a local farmer. And once we kind of get them trained to hog wire or uh, the electric netting and our system, they get moved to a two-strand uh, polywire paddock with O'Brien step-ins that we move every 10 to 15 days, just kind of depending on time and and what kind of disturbance we want to make. So right now, our moves are, are longer, 
because we're targeting some of the bigger stumps in the area that we want to get rid of instead of grinding them or anything like that we're we're letting our hogs get underneath them and kind of expose them and then we will uh, gather all the wood dead wood that has fallen in the paddocks or pat uh trees we have undesirable trees we have cut and we will build fires on top of those stumps and burn them out oh yes and does the two wires uh hold your pigs in pretty good yeah it does we actually had a pig that would jump over them so we had to move each wire up one notch and we have not had any problems since good good that's that's interesting to jump over it is this how many years have you done the hogs uh it will be (laughs) coming up on a year in april oh okay well i was kind of curious how that's changing your your woodland area over but that that'll have to be a conversation for another time Um, but are you seeing some changes there that you're liking definitely we're on our actually we're on our third batch of hogs through this uh one particular woodland area that we're using as our test uh test site and uh once this uh third batch kind of continues to move through we're coming back through with our grass finished beef and uh just some dry fescue hay and that will be in about another couple weeks then we will utilize the hogs on top of that to to disturb the hay mat that was created and then we'll follow those up with our uh layers oh yes Probably April, I hope to have it disturbed by pigs and then by layers, and then it should be kind of prepped for uh, spring growth. Oh, very good. And you mentioned your layers. Do you have, you rotate those through your farm as well? Yep, we utilize our layers. They We built a, a chicken wagon or a whatever you got, whatever people call them, but it's got actually, uh, the, the floor of our chicken wagon is, uh, um, old confinement hog flooring. And so we utilize our layers to target, uh, undernourished ground. So ground we see that either has uh, a bunch of blackberry bushes or brome sedge we put park our layers on top of it and j- just use all their droppings to flood those areas with uh, nutrients. Very good. And you've got those blackberry briars. I think I saw some pictures of goats. Do you have goats as well? Yeah. So in our, we do have, we have a couple of pet goats now. Oh yeah. But, uh, so for our pa- uh, for our pastured pork operation, our goats more tie into them. So for our pastured uh, pork operation, we were going through behind them and cutting cutting the buck brush and the the rose bushes. You know, we were cutting by oh, cutting yes. those by hand, spending you know a couple hours a week, and uh, I thought that was pretty uh, you know pretty dumb <laughs> waste of time. And so we bought a couple uh, goats and and built a goat tractor and started moving them behind uh, 
behind our pigs, but we ran into a few few things. When it got dry in the summer, the pigs were uh, making the stems of the, the plants we wanted them to eat. They were making the, them kind of dirty, either oh, with yeah. uh, mud or, or dust. And so the goats were getting picky and not wanting to eat them. So we ended up having to, oh, to sell the goats, but uh, oh, yeah. we tried using them. But now we just leave our pigs a little longer. We found that if we leave our pigs a little longer, they'll root up those plants. And then all we got to do is pick up the, pick up the plants off the ground and throw them on a pile. Oh yeah. We talked a little bit about forages and, and I failed to ask, have you planted anything in your forages or are you just using your grazing pressure to modify your plant species? Great question. Yes, exactly. We are, we have not planted anything. We are using the latent seed bank. So the seeds that have been deposited throughout the you know, hundreds of years that plants have been growing on the earth, millions of years, and uh, just utilizing our cattle to create the right environment for uh, more beneficial plants to grow. And we also do some bale grazing and some hay unrolling. Uh, one of our big projects and experiments we're doing is utilizing uh, bale grazing on our blackberry patches so we've got some oh, okay. uh farms that have got uh pretty good sized blackberry patches probably acres <laughs> per paddock and so we're putting out uh bale bales and bale grazing on top of those and so to and we're feeding you know 250 head of cattle on top of these uh blackberry patches and that's about the only thing that we have found that will will alter a blackberry. They're pretty tolerant. They they're not something you get rid of real easy. N no, they almost like to be brush hogged. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're rotating your cattle. Yes, How sir. are you watering them? Well, we utilized. Uh, Oh, we have a really good uh, state soil and water district, and they have quite a bit of cost share funding. And that's put on by the Missouri State, uh, I think it's like a parks tax. So one tenth of one percent of a state's park of a state park tax goes to this uh, for uh, land improvement, grazing improvement uh portion so we have uh utilized them our state cost share and as well as equip and all of our pastures majority of our pastures i should say um 40 of our 46 pastures are serviced by well water oh yes and uh so we utilize uh 10-acre paddocks is what we found we like the best, and each 10 acres has access to a well water tank. And our favorite tanks are tire tanks because it can service the the number of head we need, need it to service. Oh, yes. And do you have underground pipe ran to them all? Yep, yep. Underground pipes ran to them all. And actually, we... Uh, just came up with this new design so they've got quick couplers inside of them so we can our 
our pig trailer. Our pigs uh, are live in a cattle trailer with a confinement floor. And so we that allows them, they're trained to go in there every night. And so we can pack them up, move them over to any paddock we want, plug in, plug in our pig trailer and we've got water. And then we just jump out with uh, solar chargers and our pig netting or poly wire. And we can utilize our pigs wherever we want. And same with our broiler or same with our layers. We, our layer housing has a quick coupler so we can plug in and, and go wherever we want on our farm. Oh, very nice. That that's definitely expands what you can do with those quick, quick couplers there. Yeah. On your, yeah. And on your solar chargers, what kind of chargers are you using? We're using uh, just uh, kind of big, the bigger speed, right? Ones. I'd like to switch yep. over to, to live wire uh, in Nebraska and pick up some of their homemade Cyclops chargers and uh, switch all of our future chargers to uh, Cyclops. We're using Power Wizard right now. uh, I think they're 36 Joule Power Wizards and uh, we want to jump over. We've got uh, five five 36 Joule ones. We'd like to switch all over to uh, Cyclops in the near future. Oh yes. And are those run on solar power? No, those are all uh one ten or two ten. Oh, we got them all plugged in. Very good. Plugged in. Yeah. The only we just have one speed right solar. But oh, we've okay. got uh we've got crawl we've got uh, a lot of cross fences. So all of oh, our yeah. uh, paddocks are single or two strand uh, high tensile. Oh okay. Well, August, we're at the time in our podcast where we ask our famous four questions. They're the same four questions we ask of each of our guests. Sounds good. So our first question, what's your favorite grazing grass related book or resource? Well, I really like uh, both of Greg Judy's books. Um, I don't have them right in front of me, so I don't want to say say the titles because I don't know right off hand, but those are both uh, kind of go-to books with our grass grazing business. There you go. <laughs> See, I, I had one yep. sitting right here. Yeah, that Come one. Back farms and then No Risk Ranching. Yeah, and No Risk Ranching was his first one, right? Yes, so I actually read, <laughs> I got that book for Christmas. And when I was at government, uh, when I was a government employee, I took uh, the week between Christmas and uh, New Year's to read both of those books because I was the only guy in the office. So <laughs> oh, <yes>. don't <laughs> tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, we won't tell anyone. We'll keep that on the down low. <laughs> Sounds good. Another good book uh, is Dirt to Soil, Gabe Brown's book. That's a, oh yes. That's a I highly recommend that one. And then another book uh it's not uh talked about too much but it's uh, Nourishment by Fred Provenza. And I really like hearing Fred Provenza speak. Nourishment. That's a book I'm not familiar with so I will have to look that up. Yeah, it's about uh why do and a you know why do we 
why do animals graze what they graze? Basically. So allowing them to select what they need in their diet. You provide as a farmer, you provide the forages they need and then they'll select a balanced diet. Oh, very good. I will have to look that up. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yep. Good book. Our second question, what tool could you not live without on your farm? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, could I say my four wheeler outfitted with my step in post poly wire and two cattle dogs? You know, that sounds like an excellent tool. <laughs> it's a, it's a go-to everyday, uh, everyday tool that we use would be our four wheeler with our step in post poly wire and our two dogs. And do you, are the dogs, did you train them? Did you buy trained dogs? No, I bought, I bought puppies and trained them ourselves. Oh yes. And, uh, and our cattle are broke to move when we call them, but they work uh, really well. Our dogs are handy when moving through pastures. So if we got uh, a paddock or two, we don't want to graze, but we need to get our cows through to get to another paddock, like warm season grass. If we want to graze some warm season grass, we can use our dogs to move through, through the pastures we don't want to graze. Also, when getting them really tight for ultra high density, um, the cows work or the dogs work great to put the cows in tighter spaces. Oh, very good. Bill Fosier in one of our earlier episodes, I don't have the number right in front of me, but he uses border collies with his sheep and he's really high on his border collies. Yeah. Yeah. Ours are rough, tough dogs, but they're uh, sometimes we have our good and bad days. <laughs> <laughs> like we all do. Yeah. Okay. Our next question is what would you tell someone just starting on this regenerative journey or grass farmer journey? I'd say learn as much as you can and visit with as many people as possible. There is, uh, there's so much to learn and there's so many things that can uh, be, be done. There's so many things that can be, uh, seen from from visiting other peoples and don't be afraid to experiment even if it uh, doesn't work out i mean that's where we've for every one thing that's worked out we've had a uh, 10 to 20 different things that didn't work out but uh, just utilizing uh, the template which would be mother nature and seeing and uh, seeing what she did that humans have wrecked but bison and elk and deer and other ruminants grazing just you know it's pretty simple just follow what mother nature laid out for us great advice and where can others find out more about you good question so we've got a website www.horstman h-o-r-s-t-m-a-n-n cattleco.com we're also on Facebook and Instagram at HorstmanCattleCo.com or Horseman Cattle Co. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the, the Instagram person, but uh, it's Horseman Cattle Co. And you can find, you can just 
call me directly or email us at ah at horsemancattleco.com. We will put those links in our show notes so our audience has them available. That sounds good. They that'll be better than me telling them about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, oh, it's so much easier to click a link than try and type it in. Yes, sir. August, we appreciate you coming on and on sharing your journey with us and telling us about your operation. No problem. It's just getting started too. We're we're only. I was uh, did an interview with uh, Understanding Ag, and just to think about where we've been in three years is pretty crazy. Oh yes, yeah. Well, I'm excited for the for you to continue on your journey. I appreciate it. I thank you for having us on. It was an honor. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation with August. And as we mentioned with every show, we have those show notes at our website. If you go to grazinggrass.com, you can go to the episode you want to see, and there's show notes underneath there. With each show note, we try and link to any resources the guests may have received, as well as Amazon links for the books. Now, I encourage you to shop local and support an independent bookseller. But if you're not finding the book mentioned on our podcast, check out our show note links. If you click on the link to Amazon and purchase it, we get a small amount back and we appreciate you supporting our podcast. Now is your chance to ask your question. Go to grazinggrass.com and click on ask your question. Complete the form and we will have a future episode with our guest asking your question. Because I know you can ask better questions than I do. You've just listened to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, share our episodes with others, and leave us a review where you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep grazing grass. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening. And if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them, and we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. Until next time, keep on grazing grass.